Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, seven-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David, Dan, and Hoags recap the Twins' Game 3 loss to the Houston Astros in the 2023 ALDS. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson, special third chair in studio, Andrew Hoags, Hoganson, and on-site reporter. And Hoags, my goodness, your special charm, the charisma you must give to the team. Nothing could be found today, Hoags. Offensively, defensively, what did you do wrong? I don't know. I mean, I, I my streak is gone now. My my 2-0 streak in home playoff games is gone. So that was a, it was a rough one to be at. That crowd was there. That crowd was ready to go, and the Twins just didn't give them any anything to cheer about tonight. Hey, on the small bright side, my voice is doing significantly better and it didn't really get worked that hard today. <laughs> so the game started earlier today. So it was, it was the middle of class and I told my students, well, I told a couple of them, please don't tell me the score. And then <laughs> into the period, I checked it. And right after I checked it, one of my other students was like, hey, Mr. Thompson, it's four nothing. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, uh, so I need to make a wider announcement. But it looks like maybe if, if the Rangers actually hold off the Orioles, which it looks like they will, then at least game four is a night game. And that sounds better to me for some reason. Yeah, you know, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And one of the reasons why I haven't attended a game yet this postseason is because they won both of the wildcard series games. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to risk it. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it alone. But now they, they lost today. And so tomorrow night I will will be in attendance because clearly my presence there or at home has no impact on the game after all well what am i supposed to do then like i, I feel like i'm kind of <laughs> stuck in this weird spot then like <laughs> well no your ratio though you you have a higher winning okay, percentage so i would want you there but you did tell me the horror story about not being able to get to the game on time you got to make sure you're there on time tomorrow it's true i i did miss the top of the first today parking was horrible i had a bunch of car problems before getting down to the stadium so i was running a little bit late it took me over a half an hour to park and then i sprinted about three quarters of a mile to make it there as i'm walking in i look up and i see four to nothing and i was just like are you kidding me so that explains it that's why I, they lost I, I, this that's what game, i'm hoping to one? for but it didn't get much okay. prettier after that either boys <laughs> so as dan just mentioned he is a high school english teacher and i don't know how many of you are baseball movie buffs but fever pitch with jimmy fallon and drew barrymore top five baseball movie for me i absolutely love it and i always think of dan whenever i think about this movie because the whole premise is around jimmy fallon this this high school teacher who is obsessed with the red Sox, and him and drew barrymore the relationship is really tested because jimmy is so obsessed with the red Sox that he lets it impact his mood and the way that he schedules their dates and whatnot but there's a moment where the red Sox are one game away from elimination the relationship is in a rough spot between jimmy and drew and he starts turning back into this guy that she fell in love with who wasn't the same guy during baseball season and she's like jimmy i know this i know that i love fall guy it's summer guy i have a problem with and i just think dan is that a is that an accurate assessment like in your life do people find that in your teaching and in your relationships well that's interesting i certainly my mood took a dive for my sixth period after it was four nothing uh but that 
and that's for a lot of reasons. But I, I was okay. So Hoax, I had wanted to ask you then, but you weren't there for it. The pregame Santana Lopez thing, right? Where where Johan Santana came out and threw the first pitch, and then you like revealed he was wearing a like a, a Pablo Lopez jersey. Yeah, totally missed it. Missed the oh. whole thing. But hey, my my friends who were already in the seat said it was absolutely incredible. I, I I did think that that was sweet when I saw the replay of it later. I love how he's doing that throwback. Like Lopez looked genuinely like touched by that moment too. I thought that was a pretty cool throwback to him. But then he bounced it. Like he bounced the first pitch. Like that wasn't a good omen either. <laughs> wasn't it like literally three or four years ago where he was still hoping to come back? Like he said, oh, I'm still doing my training. I'm hoping to get a chance with the team. Right. I did like the mower dig though. Like how he was able to go down there and pick it, which was pretty sweet. It's like, yeah, he still got it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. Well, I think we would have rather had Santana try his luck on the mound tonight than Sonny Gray. Oh, man. Oh, man. And now all our hope rests on Joe Ryan. I... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and you can't, that. you can't say, why don't we try Maeda and why don't we try Over? Because Rocco used both of them up tonight also. Yeah, that was interesting how he went to Maeda today. Like, you kind of thought that he was going to be the piggyback for Ryan tomorrow. It is weird that this whole season comes down to a guy who hasn't pitched in the playoffs yet, who is shaky in the second half. Like, oh, man. I mean, they, the Twins have had great starting pitching outside of today. And now it's like, okay, this is maybe the guy we're the least confident in going into tomorrow. But hey, they can win two games in a row. It's not a possible they can do it i i still believe we believe in tc <laughs> we believe in tc yeah so if you don't understand folks what's happening the twins it's do or die now for the next two games they have to win tomorrow and they have to win then on friday in houston all right guys well we have delayed the inevitable long enough we got to go talk about this game in the game recap series recap no offense no defense, no momentum. The Twins had all of the momentum coming into this game, and they just they laid an egg. First of all, Sonny Gray on the mound. If I had given you the line but not the name of the pitcher, you both would have said Joe Ryan, and don't you dare lie to me and say you wouldn't have. Oh, absolutely. And if you gave me the line for this game, I would have guessed Javier, too. Like, this is just, it was very unexpected. And the, I think the most frustrating part of this game was how many opportunities the offense had. Like, Gray gets shelled there in the first, but they still had a chance to make a game out of it and they just couldn't and then it all fell apart at the end yeah they go one for nine with runners in scoring position after the astros jump out to four nothing lead they make it five nothing in the fifth and that's when the twins have a chance in the bottom of the fifth we'll talk about uh, royce lewis and max kepler really coming to the plate with bases loaded but they both strike out and then in the sixth inning the astros add one more the twins are able to get one back in the bottom of the sixth on a hit by castro but then that rally is ended by a really nice play by pena on the other side at shortstop turning a double play and so first and second one out turns into the end of the inning really disappointing it it did seem like all of the calls went the Astros way not from an umpiring perspective but just from the way the ball decided to bounce at target field was always into an Astros glove Trevor Plouffe when he was talking about this series at the beginning of it on talking baseball said something that I I think is it's very obvious and he acknowledged it too but the team that's going to win this series is the team that gets timely hitting and the twins had none of it today like they get a couple hits here and there this is a ball game the Astros got those hits they put the ball in play they forced the twins to make errors and they ended up running away with it and i think that's just ultimately the crux of what happened in this game yeah abreu uh, he hits a big three-run home run in the first inning he goes two for five with two home runs and five rbi alvarez gets in on the fun too he is three for five hits his fourth home run of the series bregman two for five el tuve one for five i mean 14 hits in all uh which was as many strikeouts as the twins had themselves too though they had seven walks which you think you're gonna have more opportunities but again three hits 
hits. They just could not cash in with base runners on. Are we at the point now in this series where we walk Alvarez every single time he comes up to the plate? I mean, that guy is demolishing baseballs. Doesn't matter who the hitter is. Doesn't matter if it's a lefty or a righty. Like, he's ready. And yeah, he looks so good. Even the ball that he hit out on over tonight was out of the zone. It was high. I don't know what to tell you. I think, yes. At this point, you pitch him low and outside and just say, hey, if you're going to hit a double down the line, that's fine. But I'm going to make sure you don't get one out of the park. But hey, we don't have anything to worry about because Joe Ryan's on the mound, right? You know, and Joe Ryan, (laughs) if there's one thing Joe does well, it's locate pitches away from the middle of the zone, especially to home run hitters. (laughs) You serious? So I'm feeling, you know, pretty good about Joe Ryan on the mound. In the pregame warm-up, they did an interview with Joe Ryan, and like this is when we knew that he was going to be the Game 4 starter, and he had said that he feels more like he did at the beginning of the season. He's not dealing with the groin injury. He hasn't pitched in a while. He's been pitching a lot of bullpens. He seems ready, but then again, we've heard that before. So I, I don't know. I do hope, though, if the Joe Ryan of April shows up, this could be a ball game. Well, and I don't think we need to be that pessimistic about it either. Houston doesn't have anybody going for them. Like, Joe Ryan is better than whoever they're going to trot out tomorrow. Both teams have their full arsenal of bullpens going, and our bullpen is pretty darn good. We get some clutch hitting. We give Joe Ryan a lead, get him kind of into this this game. There's zero reason that we can't win this game. And then getting ahead of ourselves, I love Lopez against Verlander in game five. Like That's a game where I'd pick us to win that game based on how both of them looked in their first game of the series. So by no means are we out of it. It is hard to be optimistic, though, after watching the game today, because today felt like one that we should have had. Just going to run through the pitching lines here. So Sonny Gray goes just the four innings, four and runs. It was an error by Kirilov uh, in the top of the first. That uh, So he didn't give up all of those five runs as earned, but he gave up eight hits, one walk, six Ks. Pagan comes in, pitches one clean inning with one strikeout. Then Maeda comes in, uh, gives him two innings with one run. Ober comes in. Yeah, it wasn't so good. One and a third inning with three runs. And then they have to bring in Jax at the end to shut the door and get the final two outs. Shut the door makes it sound like we were winning. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is, that, Dan, I think what you're going for here is they didn't really shut the door. They may have shut the door, but all of the valuables were gone. The house had been emptied. Like That's like when you come in after your house got robbed and you decide to finally shut the door. It's like, well, that's enough. There's nothing left to steal. Uh, well, in the end, I guess it's so it's 9-1. to one. The Twins are down 2-1, to one, and this is their first elimination game. They're going to have to win two of them here to advance to the ALCS. I'm with you, Hoags, though. I can totally see a path because this is what's in the back of my mind. This Houston Astros team got swept by the Royals just a couple weeks ago, right? So there's definitely good reason to think that the Twins can win two in a row. And this isn't the Twins team of old that we've seen for this whole past 20 years. Like, this is a new team this year. This is a team that every time we think they're going to fold or they're going to give into the moment, they haven't. They've risen above it. Let's believe in them. I think they can do it again. We are getting ahead of ourselves. And again, it's because we don't want to talk anymore about this <laughs> game than we have to. Uh, but let's go ahead, jump into the segments, and then we'll give a little bit more of a preview of tomorrow's outing, which is, again, a do or die situation for the Twins. But I think what you guys just said is very important to note, that this is a Twins team that's not trying to fight off elimination after having lost a whole bunch more straight and added to a historically terrible streak. They've won some baseball games. They look like a different team. I hate to do this. I am optimistic. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. Well, Puckett's Picks winners, maybe this is why you're optimistic, David, because you won again here on the second tiebreak. So, Hoag's picked Lewis, who had negative two points. Ugh, really wish he would hit that grand slam, Hoag's, like you've been waiting for. I picked Kepler, who had a double, but a couple strikeouts to negate them. 
And then, David, you picked Correa, who had a single, but one strikeout. And so on fewer strikeouts, which is our second tiebreaker, uh, David, you win to pull even in the postseason. I want to build a championship culture. I'm having a real hard time caring at all about Puckett's (laughs) picks. Like, during the regular season, when a game doesn't feel like it matters so much, like, I can't even really take consolation here, to be honest. I would rather score negative infinity just to see a Twins victory. You know that's not a thing, David. Negative infinity isn't a mathematical (laughs) number. Stay in your lane there, English teacher. He is correct, though. Um, I am married to a math teacher, so I think I I can move over that lane every now and then just to pass you, David, as I speed by. Oh, man. No, I I agree with you, David, but when Lewis came up there with the bases loaded, I was pretty excited because I was like, oh, I called it. I called it, and I'm going to get to see it happen right here. But man, he did not put together any good at-bats at all today, and it was rough seeing him out there. Hopefully, he can shake that for game four. We should mention, he played third base, which was an excellent sign and a good follow-up because it allowed the lineup. It ended up obviously not mattering, but Julian was back at DH. Oh, Canada. Uh, which I liked the lineup, terrible execution, which can we blame the shadows? Is that a thing that we can actually blame? You could if the Astros didn't put up four in the first. Yeah, I think that's what's so like kind of debunks that whole deal. But all the Twins players were saying after the game that Javier was tunneling really well so that they, could, they couldn't they could tell at all whether it was a flat fastball or a slider. So that's why there were all those stupid swings there where they were just waving at pitches that they clearly were expecting to be fastballs that just ended up diving away as sliders. So I don't know. You got to think it's affecting both th- teams the same way but the Twins seem to be the only team that were struggling with them today. But pretty much every single hitter that was interviewed that I heard on the radio on the way home said that it was a real big problem today. But hey, we don't have to worry about it tomorrow. It's going to be a night game. Texas just won, so... Well, what else are they going to say? No, I was just bad today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was the tunneling. It was tunneling really well there. I just couldn't see the baseballs. (laughs) It's fair. All right. Well, hey, we have to go on to what's going to be a pretty brief segment here. Beast versus Bench. Beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun i got no one to give it to for beast like i, I mean maybe castro because he got an rbi maybe jacks because he pitched two-thirds of an inning that was just pretty excellent as he slammed the door on the astros but i don't know i i don't do you guys have a good beast i don't got one no i don't have anything i don't think anybody deserves this title um i think the bench is much easier to pin i think you gotta put it on gray this was a game where they needed him to not give up four runs in the first inning and i don't even think it was much beyond that like just give the twins a chance to take a lead now obviously i guess you don't want him giving up four runs, period. But, like, you didn't want to fall behind to this Astros team. I, th- I think you can put a little of it on Kirloff, too, because he makes that play in the top of the first. That's a double play. They get out of it with zero runs allowed instead of that air. And he did put that pretty squarely on his shoulders. Again, he didn't produce at the plate either. Our lefties, Kirloff and Walner, like, that's been rough. Like, we need some production out of them if we want to keep this run going. So I, I do agree with-, with Gray there, but definitely with a solid assist from Kirloff. Well, and just to put it in perspective, that was a tough play. I think the shadows did play in to Kirloff not making that play. Not to mention the ball basically bounced on the chalk. Like, it was a hard play for Kirloff to make. So even when I saw it, and then I saw the box score, I was like, ooh, yeah, probably an error, but man, that's a tough play. Does Solano make that play? Oh, Hogs, that's harsh, man. <laughs> One last note here. The, the offense struggled, clearly, but Kepler left five guys on base. Jeffers left four guys on base. And your guy, Hogs, Royce Lewis, left seven guys on base in this game. They, like we've been saying, there were runs to be had out there. They just they were getting walked they just could not get that timely hit or hits well with that let's go on to Rocco's Rewind Rocco's Rewind well another thing here about Alex Kirloff hang on a minute so Rocco pinched Solano in for Alex Kirloff in the bottom of the sixth we could use a pinch 
versus Hunter Brown. And act, I got to give credit to the Fox Sports announcers here on TV because they pointed out that maybe Hunter Brown has has reverse splits, and indeed he does. He is a righty, but he actually has a higher batting average against by righties. And I guess they pointed out that Dusty Baker, the Astros manager, was asked about, like, you have no lefties in your bullpen. Who are you going to go to to get lefties out? And he pointed to Hunter Brown, and that's what Hunter Brown did. And, you know, I, I credit Rocco for, for making, I think, the right decision there, because also Kirilov has struggled. But Solano, unfortunately, didn't get a hit. But it was like, finally, Rocco was not beholden to the matchup that would be the obvious one. I, I see this as an absolute win. I think maybe he's a listener, Dan, then. He's he's been listening to you, you re, like, just going off about reverse splits. And so, hey, I actually thought of one thing during the game today. If a guy has reverse splits and you're a pinch hitter, do you reverse what you would normally do? Like, do they actually do that? So, yeah, if it's, like, a right-handed pitcher that has reverse splits, then do you end up batting right-handed, then, in order to balance that out? I'm so glad you asked, because I think that that is another part of this that does not get talked about, because, yeah, Castro came up just two batters later, and he is a switch hitter, and he batted as a lefty against Brown. And I just wonder, like, does that become a player preference? Do they even notice those things? Are they asked about that? Because I think almost... Almost every time you see them go to the, quote, normal, preferable split. But with that, let's go on to the Minnesota moment, if we can find one. Minnesota moment. So I would have to go with Royce Lewis not hitting a grand slam, but also Kepler not hitting one before. And even Polanco got on. It was a walk, but it was a foul tip. His bat went off that and then it went in and it was caught by the catcher. So he probably should have been out. There were those opportunities that, gosh, you look back, what if Kepler gets a hit there? And then Royce comes up with a chance to to do more damage. It was just like that was their moment to get back in the game because we have seen other teams in this postseason come back from similar deficits and the Twins just couldn't do it. During that at bat when Royce was coming up I was so nervous in my living room I'm walking around picking up toys because I couldn't like <laughs> sit down like I was just my legs were bouncing so much I had to get up and keep moving around I'm like breaking down boxes watching the game because I literally cannot contain myself from shaking yeah it just felt like something great was about to happen there and they just they couldn't get anything done time after time all right guys well let's go forward here to Mauer's Musings I just don't know how it can get any better Mauer's Musings it's the question we're all asking it's the question that's gonna be answered probably pretty early in the game tomorrow is Joe Ryan up to the challenge of pushing this Minnesota Twins series to a game five I have my doubts and I you know I want this to be <laughs> Joe terrible dude <laughs> sorry oh I just I just I just don't know like is Joe Ryan savvy enough you mentioned how he says he feels better and I, I get all that but like this is a really big spot against a team that is a veteran team that presumably knows how to close out situations like this and we're asking Joe Ryan like like game four was the one I was kind of ready to concede right like if Sonny Gray could get that win in game three and I was kind of like you Hogs I thought they can go back to Houston and they can win with Pablo on the mound. Not sure they can win with Joe on the mound. I See, I'm going to take the more optimistic tale because like if we were talking about this in April or something or in May, you would have been pumped to have Joe Ryan in this game based on how he was performing at the beginning of the year. So hey, maybe that groin is feeling better. He is going to have the shortest leash ever because it's an elimination game. But the funny thing about that is Joe Ryan with a short leash doesn't really work all that well because when he gets in trouble, it's a bomb. So you can't, you just can't do anything about that. Like once it's out of the park, it's done. It's not like he can walk the bases loaded 
rather than then be like, okay, we're bringing in Theobar or anything like that. So that will be very, very interesting to see how Rocco manages that. But what do you guys think is a success? Like, are we hoping he gets through four innings with giving up one run? Like, I think I'd take that and be okay with it because they have their full bullpen. And then they have an off day too, theoretically, if they can pull this off. Four innings doesn't feel like enough, but you're right. It actually, that's actually plenty if he only gives up one run. So I guess what I'm asking for is not three or four in the first four innings to put them in a <laughs> hole. Like I just, they just, they cannot fall behind by so much. And it's not that this team can't come back from that situation, but mentally to fall behind again, having just not accomplished that being against one of the great teams of the last five to six to seven years, it all feels just very, I don't know, Lilliputian versus the, the opposite of Lilliputian. <laughs> like the, the <laughs> so really real big quick, ones folks. in Gulliver's Travels. Hang on here. Knees attempt to be a gentleman. So, Dan started using an allusion to David and Goliath, and he changed to something that no one's heard of, what which was a bold choice. Gulliver's Travels, that's a thing. Unfamiliar. Is it a musical? Is that what are you talking about? It? it is a classic American tale, but, well, it's not. It's a classic British tale by Jonathan Swift. You don't know who the Lilliputians are? Is that the one with the mouse who goes west? Is that a different thing? <laughs> that's Fifle, David. That's a different book entirely. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You don't know Gulliver's Travels? Again, I thought that was the one about the mouse going west. So I don't... Uh, it was the Brobignagians. That's that's the word for the really big You ones. didn't even get your own illustration I could, right? I couldn't remember. It, you it, changed from David and Goliath. I know it's cliche, but sometimes, Dan, cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah, but David, we're not David here. Like, they aren't that much better than us. Like, I know that they've been to the ALCS so many times, but they're not that much better than us. We can win this game. We're not the little not saying we flyover no, country historic- that no one cares about. Like, I, I appreciate Dan not using the David and Goliath metaphor. I also had no idea what he referenced after that, but <laughs> I do appreciate, appreciate the defense. <laughs> If you truly can't see this in a bit of a David and Goliath light, I understand that that you think, of course, we have a little man complex. That's what the David and Goliath story is. Host. No, I don't. Two episodes think, ago, you have you a little man complex about, with them. Yes, because you do. I no, don't I said, anymore. I said this team, Minnesota, I'm ready for Minnesota, this. <laughs> no, Twins fans have a little man complex, and you said just a little, just a little. We use it as an yeah, ad we host. do, we but we need to shake that. That is my point. We need to get away from that. We need to just care about ourselves. But yeah. you didn't disagree with the two episodes. Ago. <laughs> to be fair, if there's any illustration of little men, it's the Lilliputians in Gulliver's Travels here. So I think we need to be embracing my metaphor just a little bit more. Ogres are like onions. <laughs> I just, any other I am still <laughs> blown away that you don't know what Gulliver's Travels is, David. I This is a classic It's a book tale. you're telling me? It's a Gu- book? Gulliver's Travels. It was written. I'm Googling is it, it a book? now. You haven't even done that. Do- 1726. <laughs> it's very old. I've is heard it a book? of that. How many times do I have to ask a question? Is it a book? It, yes, it's, it's a book. It's like I'm talking to my four-year-old. <laughs> My goodness. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you just tell me if it's a book or not, Dan? I can't imagine you giving an assignment in class and the kids got to ask nine or ten times. Is this reading or a writing assignment, Mr. Thompson? Is it reading or writing? Well, it's a classic American tale. Let me tell you some of the names of the creatures. (laughs) Oh, it's late, boys. Oh, my goodness. All right. Anyway, I just, I okay, well, I'm going to move on from my flabbergastionness or whatever this <laughs> that would be. That's not a word. Um, Ogres are like onions. End of story. I had one more musing here, if we could. And this has been brought up before. 
<laughs> do you sit Alex Kirloff for game four? He's 0 for 9 yes. with four strikeouts in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I do. I think I'd rather have Solano in that position. I think it's time. Dan Gladden was ranting, like literally ranting about this on the post game, like when I was driving home, that he thinks the lefties need to sit and come in later, which doesn't make a whole ton of sense because there's never going to be a matchup that Rocco likes since they have no lefties in their bullpen. <laughs> but I don't hate it. Like maybe getting Farmer or Solano out there earlier just because of how well they performed in game two. And I know that was against the lefty, but still like sometimes you got to let your hot guys go even if the matchup isn't quite up to grade. And like, yeah, 0 for 9 and 4Ks, that's not going to cut it and not playing great in the field either. Yeah, if you had to pick one of those guys to sit, it's probably either Kirilov or Walner. And I think Kirilov is the correct choice. I could even see him doing both and working farmer into that lineup somehow. So, and, and maybe you get Michael Taylor back out there and you, you know, he's not had a bad series either. We'll see, but it's going to be an interesting lineup there uh, that Rocco draws up for the game on Wednesday. All right, well, let's, let's grade this series and then get out of here, boys. Series grades. You know how like easy it was to grade game two as an A? Like it was such a complete game. We had pitching, we had defense, we had fielding. This was the exact opposite of that. We didn't have pitching, we didn't have fielding, and we didn't have hitting. Yeah, I don't need the rubric for this either. But though I appreciate it, by the way, when you guys talk about and you talk against my rubric, then you use terms from the rubric, right? You lose use fielding and hitting and base running and managing. Generic aspects of baseball, Dan. Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> you can't claim those as yours now. How dare you think about how well they hit and ran the bases that's on my rubric sir <laughs> i'm just merely saying you poo poo the rubric but then you use the language of the rubric against me yes and i'm criticisms. saying that's a ridiculous notion that's what i'm, that's what I'm arguing against your exact point <laughs> all right you you agree it's enough david yeah what else could it be all right let's move forward here puckett's picks for the next game and we'll see you puckett's picks well, I won, so I get to go last. <laughs> Lucky me. Uh, Hogs, you get first pick. I was torn on this one. Like, I, I really wanted to pick Correa because I feel like these are the moments that he really shines through. But I think we're going to need a big game out of Royce Lewis. So I'm going back to the well again. I'm picking Royce Lewis. That, that grand slam's got to happen sometime, right, boys? Totally. I will go with Correa. I think another moment for the championship culture bringer to step up and bring that championship culture. So, And literally, they need him if they're going to win a championship, I think. So it's Correa. I want to build a championship culture in all of the chips are in the basket, boys. All of the <laughs> chips are in the basket. We're Joe in Ryan's going to soak we- up the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> it's a must-win game. I'm going back to my roots, my German roots, and taking Max Kepler. What was funny is they pointed that out of the TV broadcast that he was from Germany, and my first thought was, oh, yeah, just like David. <laughs> never been to germany but yeah i'm basically german sure they also played some whitney at target field today too so i kind of thought that max kepler was gonna perform after that but no such luck was it dance with somebody yes they did they played it at the game oh not, not when he was up or anything but in between oh. innings they played it <laughs> One of these days. Clearly listeners of the show. Clearly, Absolutely. clearly. All right. Well, David, since you're Mr. Optimist here, uh, how about you go ahead and send us out? I will try my best. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on X at Min for the Win and find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so that you're notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating or a like, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show further, you can find us on Patreon. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!